Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Oh, so good. So good. You may be seated. Welcome, City Church. Uh, welcome, friends on Zoom. My name is Bill White. I am one of the co-pastors uh, here today, and it is just it's just good to be together. Good to be together on this very warm Sunday. So uh, as a church, our vision is that we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And that's what we're all about. And we believe that one of the very best ways to do that is to eat tacos together. So if you find yourself strangely aroused by your nostrils during this service, that's intentional because we believe that's an act of worship, to enjoy the smell and the anticipation of what is to come because tacos are going to be great afterwards. Um, we also, we love to pray for our kids. Um, and today, so Serena, if you'd come on up to pray for our kids. Um, but we have two special guests with us today, one who's more regular, one who's not. But Laura Hernandez, if you would come up, and Shawnice Olvero, if you would come up, if you would welcome these folks up. So Laura has been teaching at Lafayette Elementary School for 72 years. No, no, that's not it. Um, but this is her last year teaching. And I, I, you know, I go around and I tell all the staff like, hey, we, we pray for you guys, right? And so she's like, well, I'm gonna show up. And, and usually they're liars, let's be honest. No, no, but there she is, she showed up, it's so great. So I was just thrilled and we love you. We think you're great. Shawnice is here all the time, but she has got a new job. She runs, she runs this space right here. This is the cafeteria space. So she does the hard work. Um, and so and Laura works hard too. So anyway, Serena's gonna pray for these two great people and, and everybody else. Morning, let us pray. Dear God, thank you so much for bringing us all together today. Thank you, God, for Laura and Shawnice and all the hard work, the dedication, the love that they bring to Lafayette, to all the wonderful teachers who are here uh, in different ways, the parents, the guardians, the, the, the grown-ups who just light the light for our children, who bring us light to have fun and to know that God is with us every day in all sorts of ways. Let us have a wonderful Taco Sunday. Bring us some fun and good times today and always this week. And just reminding that you are with us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. So nice having you here. <laughs> and uh, kiddos, if you want to go out with your fearless leaders, uh, here's Charmaine, there are other fellows, Serena, obviously. Uh, you can go out and there are jumpers out there and other fun things. All sorts of fun. Hey friends, I'm Brenna. I'm one of the other co-pastors here at City Church in Long Beach. My pronouns are she, her, and yeah, I'm so glad to be here today too. I know I was talking with several people as we were all, you know, writing our name tags and things and feeling like for some of us it's like, Wow, it's been a while since we've been together because it's been a weird month. I mean, there was Labor Day, and then we had our annual beach service, and before that, it was Hurricane Sunday, you know, where we were back on Zoom just to keep everybody safe and dry. And so, yeah, it's just so good to be with you all. It is. It's good to be here. So we are starting a new sermon series today uh, about how to have a healthy relationship with church. 
Uh, in case you didn't know, churches are weird. Some, and some of you have experienced that. Some yeah. of you have experienced that churches can be weird, and having a healthy, growing relationship with church is, can be tricky, right? Um, and so we just, we want to talk about that directly. Um, and we want to think a little bit about a, a particular image that we use a lot. So I had two, a couple people this week, um, I had this same conversation where they were talking and, and one of them asked me and one of them just sort of came up like, how many people go to your church? Right? And typically, like if you're with other pastors, other pastors love to ask this question because it's like, am I bigger than you? A little bit of a status, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of preening. Bumping numbers against each other. Yes, yeah. So sometimes there's that. That's not what was going on this week, but some, that's, it's not uncommon. And so, but over the years, Brent and I have sort of developed uh, our standard response, which is, well, yeah, it's an interesting question. I think for us, we, we kind of have a small planet and a large orbit. That there, there are a few folks who come every week, uh, which is great, um, but there are a lot of people who sort of orbit around City Church and, and might come in once a quarter or maybe Taco Sundays, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, like... <laughs> I, not that you're calling it. Not that out. I'm calling no, that out. That would be awkward. No, if I were to say the name like Chris Dunham, who said to me this morning, you know, we came strategically on this day. I, I mean, I wouldn't do that because that would be embarrassing for Chris. But oh my gosh, Bill. But this is what we do, right? And what if, what if this was actually okay? What if it's not shaming? What if we could actually celebrate the different rhythms? that work for different people? Mm -hmm. And what if we don't have to put someone down? And what if we don't have to lift up this one way of doing church as being the right way? Yeah. So when Bill and I first started using this language, I think he was the first one who used it. And it felt just intuitively good. Like it's just, you know, it was a good, it was a good visual and a good way of just kind of like saying, yeah, there are all sorts of people that maybe we don't see them that often, but we care about them. And we, we think of them as being part of the church and chances are, if you ask them, they would say that they're part of the church. And hey, by the way, I'm gonna go get my fancy mic. Oh yeah, on. you want a fancy mic while I yeah. you, you, that way you'll have hands free and yeah, yeah, okay, I'll take care of it, Bill. Um but the other reason I really liked it um uh, is because I'm a geek. And so I just really I liked some of the sciencey and even psychological ways that we could use this word orbit. There are ways that it just kind of like, oh, it grabbed me in my imagination because scientifically when you think about what happens in an orbit an orbit is all about managing two tensions two physical forces or compulsions and one is the gravity of the planet there's this pull in a pull towards that wants to take whatever the satellite is and kind of suck it in right and sometimes it happens you know meteors crash and all that stuff but a lot of times they're just orbits where somehow that that object out there that entity manages to kind of stay in this place of like perfect balance where they are in orbit they're connected they're related to the planet but they have their own internal force their own sort of internal drive and velocity pushing them in a different direction 
so that the balance of the two is what brings them and keeps them in this very balanced orbit, this sweet little spot of managing tensions. And if you talk with therapists, psychologists, there's a lot of ways that overlaps just what it's like to be part of a community, any community. It could be your family life, right? It could be your work life. It can be a church where the planet is this we, right? This, this system that has some gravitational pull. And then there's us. And we want to be related and connected with the planet. We kind of want to stay in the orbit often. But all of our drives don't go in that direction. There's this, these two tensions that we're trying to figure out how to hold in balance. So one of my favorite books about this me and we dynamic, um, it's super quirky. If any of you like super quirky, maybe you like kind of organizational type stuff. Um, it was written by this artist who works as a card creator at Hallmark. So he's a creative working in this big institution. And so he wrote this book called Orbiting the Giant Hairball, right? Where Hallmark is the hairball. So his name's Gordon McKenzie. This is kind of the picture, right? And so that's why we have these little curly cues on our picture here of the planet, because it's a hairball, because the thing about planets, the thing about the institutions is that they have a tendency to want to grow and add more and more rules and layers and, and just kind of suck more and more like that gravity gets stronger and stronger and some of it's really good and some of it is like it was good 20 years ago and some of it was never good except for the people who were in charge right so the planet is pictured as a giant hairball and so he writes this a great think, image for the church right right, right. yeah we're basically saying the church is the giant hairball in this picture <laughs> but i'm getting there bill i'm getting there okay sorry, okay so sorry, sorry. he's talking about yeah, but for the church, so core stuff for us, right? The good stuff would be like any of the Jesus-y stuff, right? And those psalms or songs maybe that you know from your childhood, and they just, they help you lean in, and they connect, and, and it's community and the people who love you and know you and ask you. Like, there's all sorts of goodness in the hairball, right? It's just that then sometimes there have been these extra layers, even in church of like, rules and really complicated theologies where you're not sure where they came from and there are big giant words people throw at you or or times you felt you know smacked over the head by a bible um or community has been hurtful there are things that get messy so what he writes gordon mckenzie uh, in his book thinking about orbits he says it's a delicate balance resisting the hypnotic spell of an organization's culture and at the same time, remaining committed from the heart to the personally relevant goals of the organization. To saying like, hey, I don't wanna lose myself in the we, but I wanna be part of it. The part of it that tugs at me, the part of it that I say, yes, that is good. I, I wanna follow Jesus too, right? To maintain that balance and to be able, as the therapist would say, to be connected but differentiated at the same time like that that's that's the challenge and so that's really what we're talking about today how do we as individuals hold this tension as part of a church and how do we by the way as church do church and try to be less hairbally right i mean there's actually a challenge in this 
for us as leaders to say like, really, what is gonna be good for people as they orbit? How do we suck less and not have a gravity that just tries to like, you know, pull people in in an unhealthy sort of way so that we might rewrite that statement from Gordon McKenzie this way. It's a delicate balance resisting the hypnotic spell of institutional religion. And at the same time, remaining committed from the heart to the personally relevant goals of a community trying to follow Jesus together. So that's the nerdy take on orbits to kick us off today. I like to think of Brenda Rubio as the nerdy pastor. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think we could thumb wrestle or something on that one, Bill. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're going to read some scripture today. Uh, and if, I don't, is that me, Doug? What did, I, what did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong? Should I go to this? Okay, we're switching. It was just destined to be on this mic today. We're so, so. grateful to have Dove out there Thank to you, be Dove. able to tell us what's we going on. We appreciate you. Um, and I really wanted to look fancy today. Oh, wow. Uh. Um, so if you would welcome uh, Dania Guadalupe Bradshaw, who's going to read scripture for us today. Uh, and she's going to read two passages. All right, because what we're going to look at is we're going to look at two different orbits. Does that make sense? So these are two groups of people who had two different orbits. So she's going to read these passages. In the middle, we're going to say, people of God, this is the word of God. And then we're going to do it again at the end because it's, these are distinct moments. So if you'd like to stand, uh, if you're on Zoom, you don't have to stand. Actually, you don't have to stand if you're here. It's fine, one way or the other. It doesn't matter. But Daniel's <laughs> going to read for us. Go for it. Luke 8, 1 through 3. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons have come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Stay and standing. And stay standing, yes. <laughs> Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank Thanks you so much, Dania. We appreciate you. So there, there are two different orbits here. So I'm going to look at the first orbit. Run is going to look at the second orbit. Um, this first orbit is from Luke chapter 8, and it's, it's all these women who spent a lot of time with Jesus. They were like very invested. They were regulars. They were always there. Okay, so look at the passage. So in Luke 8, 1, it says that Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, and the 12 were with him and some women. So, so think about this. Think about this. This is not just the crowds, and there were some women in the crowds who traveled with Jesus town to town. No, this is the core 12 disciples and a core group of women. Does that make sense? It, it, the, the text is very clear. This is not a big group that's traveling with Jesus. It's these 12 guys and then these, this handful of women. First off, this is super unusual in the first century world. 
and there's all kinds of other things that are, that are worth noting in this passage. But they spent a lot of time with Jesus. Seven days a week, they were, and maybe some of you have spent a lot of time in church, seven days a week, right? That's the orbit that we're talking about here, this high commitment orbit. And let's look at these names. So in 8.2, it says, Here's the, here they were, Mary called Magdalene, or the Magdalene, um, which could be translated Mary the Tower, uh, like a uh, a woman who ran a, uh, a part of a village, a leader, uh, the, the key, key leader in her house, uh, is what Magdalene could mean, from whom dem seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa or Chuzu or whatever you want to say her name, we don't know, uh, the manager of Herod's household. Herod was um, basically the governor of the northern region of Israel. She managed his household, right? She's a big deal. And then Susanna and many others, right? So here's this, this it's actually not a small group now that I see it. And it's not a small group, it's a big group, maybe a dozen, a dozen guys, a dozen, a dozen women. I wonder why we don't talk about them so much. I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't imagine. Anyway, go ahead. Ah, <sighs> Brenda Rubio. Um, Yes, there are some issues with that in the first century. I mean, we fixed them all now, of course. Thank God. Um, but uh, so these women have names. These women were leaders. And, and these women, it says that it literally says that they provided for Jesus and the disciples, the 12, out of their own means. That was chapter 8, verse 3. I don't have a slide for it. But they were the they were the financiers of the early church key leaders big deal this is how jesus ate day in and day out because the women were providing for him and they were key sort of leaders in in the earliest movement of the church by the time you get to the early church a century later it's not looking quite so diverse um, and notice here at the end of the book of Luke, Luke is the, if you look at the four different gospels, Luke is the one that kind of leans left, right? It's, it's more about people who are on the margin. And so the women show up in Luke all the time. If Luke is going to emphasize the, the people who don't get emphasized in the other gospels, it's, it's his heart. So we don't get this in the other gospels, but at the end of Luke in chapter 24, this is what it says. When they came back from the tomb, this is the women, they told all these things to the 11, because Judas had died, that was the 12th disciple, and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them. It's the same group, right? Joanna's showing up there again. It's the same core group of disciples who actually stayed with Jesus all the way to the cross and all the way to the tomb. The male disciples did not. And we could talk a lot about that. We're not going to do that right now. We're, we're not going to focus as much. But we, I want us to think about this idea of orbits. So these folks orbited very closely. And I want to think for a second about what's awesome about a close orbit. All right, what, what's awesome? What, what's awesome for 
for them, what's awesome for the world, that there is this close orbit of women who are fully committed. So number one, it, it makes it immediately clear to everyone, like, whoa, this really is a diverse community, right? Like, oh my gosh, women are really included. Look, they're, they're, they're the core. They're, they're always with him. And so it, in some ways, it's really nice to have folks who say, like, look, I'm going to be in a close orbit to this community to demonstrate what kind of community it is. Right? What a gift. And then there's also the fact that there are multiple women. And so what that means is, like, if you're a woman in the first century and you're trying to follow a rabbi, not easy thing to do. But all of a sudden, you see some people who look like you. Oh, my gosh. I could go there because there are people who are like me. Right? And, and that's one of the nice things about having uh, some folks who orbit closely enough that you can see them on a regular, like, oh, I, I can relate there. Like, maybe there's a, a, a group for LGBT people, right? The, what's it called? The Rainbow Club? Rainbow Club. <laughs> yeah, they changed the name. It's the Rainbow Club. They're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm not alone. Right. See, that's the gift of having some folks in a close orbit who start a group and say, hey, others can see we're here. But think about it for them. Think about what it, what's awesome about a close orbit for them. First off, they get healing. It talks about how they're healed from diseases and demons. Like they, they, this is the group they found healing in. Mm-hmm. And they, they get to be a part of that regularly. Oh my gosh, what a gift. It's also the group they get to give to. And we're not up here telling you, oh, give your money to City Church. We don't take an offering on Sundays. You know this, right? For, and those of you who are new, we don't take an offering. Um, but if you have not found a place to give yourself to, which includes finances, like you're missing out. It's actually what humans were designed for, to give our, our, ourselves away. And maybe it's just caring for that neighbor who's been sick, or maybe it's a family member that you help support financially. Like there are lots of ways to do it. But part of the gift of, of having folks in close orbit is they sacrifice more, right? Dove Fordyce, like you're here all the time. She's amazing. Right? She, she's given herself a way to make sure that this runs, even though I always mess up the microphones. Right? It's just, that's what she does. It's a gift. Um, and it seems like she's glad. Uh, and, and also, they, people get each other. When you're in closer community, you, you actually make some friends. And some of us really need some friends. And that's something to, to think about, like, oh, is that, is that where I am right now in, that, in this season of my life, to be in a closer orbit? Um, it's, it's a little bit like, so that, you know, Brenna drew, drew this here. So like the blue-red orbit, like see how it, it touches really close right here? And then other times it's, it's far away. It, it's just an orbit. It's fine. There's seasons where you're like, yeah, I'm really in. And then there's seasons where I'm not really in. And both can be totally healthy. So we're talking particularly in those seasons where you're really in, you like you make some friends. And then sometimes you circle out of closer orbit 
to the hairball, but you actually still have your friends. And so you're fine. You're totally healthy. But it, it's this picture of the close orbit has these gifts. And plus, they, they get a lot of access to Jesus, get a lot of, ask a lot of questions, and go on their own spiritual journeys with kind of a lot, a lot more freedom. And so those are some of those benefits. So, but, but there are other orbits. So Yeah. yeah I mean, do so, you want to comment on this? Or no, that was great. Oh, my, oh. No, love it. Love it. Yeah. I will say, I mean, just that, so what Bill talked about, right, the close orbits, they're the ones churches talk about all the time, right? And they're, I mean, church, they're our favorites. What's that? <laughs> they're the favorites, right? Yeah. The pastor's favorites. I mean, that's what, I mean, generally some of you, I mean, I remember back when I was, you know, younger than I am now, like I would think there was like, and it was before, I guess I was in ministry. I was like, there was me and then there were the uber Christians, right? The uber Christians were the ones with the close orbit, right? Somehow they were just like, they were like the uber models, right? Like they were the ones that I guess we were all were supposed to be like, but realistically we could not be, right? We just can't all like pray 20 hours a day, right? Like that just wasn't. So I was like, there's me and then there's the, the uber Christians. Um, and, and I think there's something where in so many ways, I mean, there are reasons, right? There's so many great verses we can grab, you know, take up your cross and follow me, right? That's, that's a real thing. That's a real invitation in our faith. But here's the thing. It's not the only picture. It's not the only picture of what it looks like to be in healthy, close, caring relationship with Jesus. It's not the only picture of how to be part of the community. There are these pictures of wider orbits that are blessed, that are not less than, they're not, you know, tolerable. Like they're just they're actually just described as like, hey, there were these people who walked everywhere with Jesus. That was awesome. And then there were these people like Mary and her system, sister Martha and her brother, Lazarus. They didn't travel with Jesus. They didn't. We always see them when they are interacting with Jesus, they're at their home, a home that they opened up to Jesus. And nowhere does it say that Jesus tolerated that, you know, that Jesus was just kind of waiting for them to like get to a higher spiritual plane where they would realize that they should leave their home and start traveling with him. It just, it doesn't say that. You know what it says? Jesus loved them. He loved them. He traveled miles and miles and miles when he heard that Lazarus was sick. And yes, other things go on in that story too, but he just loved them. Their faith wasn't weaker. It was just different. It was a different way of being in relationship with Jesus. And so let's think about for people like Mary and Martha and Lazarus, where their relationship is not 24-7 following around, maybe the classic uber-Christian picture. What was awesome about that for them and also for Jesus and for the community as a whole? Um, I want to say that while we have stories of Jesus talking with people and saying like, hey, I'm redefining family. You know, I am going to call you to leave your family. I'm going to call you to put this community. These are my mothers and brothers and sisters, those who 
who follow God. And I'm going to redefine family. It's actually a blessing that Mary and Martha and Lazarus had each other. And you see them living together, and it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing when you value your family relationships. It's not a bad thing when, you know, we say, hey, to someone, you know, like, would you like to pray for us at church this Sunday? And they say, hey, life's been crazy, and I'm going on vacation with my family to reconnect. That's not a less than. It's not bad that they're out here that Sunday instead of right here. They're having a Mary Martha Lazarus moment. And loving their family is one of the ways that they're following Jesus. Um, it's not bad that they had a home, right? It's not bad that they had roots in a community. They actually opened that home. It was a blessing to the community. It was a good thing for Jesus. When Jesus was passing through, he always knew he could stop there and the doors would be thrown wide open and he would get an amazing meal and he would get a warm welcome and, and all of it. I mean, can you imagine that, that group that Bill was describing who are traveling with Jesus, all of them welcome into Mary and Martha's home. That's amazing. There are all sorts of ways that we see that work too, right? That there are people who are absolutely part of City Church. We don't necessarily see them on Sunday mornings. That's all right. If they were here on Sunday mornings, they might not have the time and the energy to do some of the other amazing things that they're out doing in the community. And, and there are just all sorts of ways that people participate. Like I was thinking we had some wonderful friends who live across the street here. Um, and for some of you, perhaps you weren't, weren't with us during the pandemic, but they just, we, we had the idea as a congregation that we wanted to start a food pantry. We knew there was a lot of need in the surrounding community, especially families here at Lafayette, when we started a food pantry. Well, this wonderful couple, our friend and his husband, said, hey, we're right here and we'll let you use our garage. It was like a couple years. Yeah, it was like two years. Two years that they basically let the church take over their garage to store food. And people would come in and out and they gave us the codes, you know, so people could get, it was amazing. Right? And, and they literally came to church like once a year regularly. Yeah. So I mean, a far orbit in terms of Sunday, but like amazing. But that's often what, when people ask us, right? That's what they mean. Like, what are your numbers on Sundays? Right? Like, but he's such a wonderful human being. Amazing. Amazing how they participated and what God was doing here in our community just by saying, come use, use our house. Let our house be for the whole community's benefit, not even just city church, right? But all of Wrigley. Let our house be a blessing, be a gift to the community. I actually want to say, though, I think it's really important. Um, you know, so one of the times, the, the story goes on, right? The little verse that we read for you here about Mary, she opened her home. This is, there are a few different stories about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But in this particular story, uh, it's one of the famous ones for some of you, you might know, because Mary and Martha get into an argument. And Mary goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm doing all the work, right? Like, look how I'm providing for you. I'm being useful to the community. Um, and Martha, I mean, Mary's just not doing anything. She's just sitting with you and listening. And Jesus says, I know, isn't that awesome? Right? 
Isn't that so sweet? Martha, you could do that too. I mean, he doesn't say all of this, but I just got to be thinking. Then in his head, he's thinking, hey, you know, a lot of times we're eating around campfires. If you want, you can just point my disciples in the direction of the kitchen and they'll go to town, right? You can come sit here too, Martha. That is not all about saying, hey, we're glad because some people have a wide orbit because they're useful out there in their wide orbit. They're still useful to us as a community. They're still doing good stuff for Jesus, and that's why we're so glad for people who have a wide orbit. That sounds a little usury, doesn't it? Like, oh, Jesus was so glad for his friendship with Martha and Mary because it was his home away from home, because they cleaned up after him and cooked for him. And that doesn't sound like a love relationship. But what we actually see is him saying, no, actually, way more than the food, way more than me caring about, caring about whether or not, you know, the place is like clean and picked up or whatever. I want time with you. I love that Mary is sitting here. I just want the time. You know, and so sometimes Bill and I both get into conversations with people, and um, this happens a lot, especially with people who maybe have been part of churches like in that really tight relationship and they're feeling burnt out. And they have probably been feeling a bit used or maybe a lot used. Um, something about that relationship, they felt like they got caught by the hairball, right? And it was damaging to them. And so they'll come and, and they'll wonder, how do I do this at City Church? Like I'm, I've showed up here, I'm pretty tender. What do I do? And where do you need me to do stuff? What do I have to do to be part of the community, right? Um, our friend Lisa, who isn't here, but she shared this story many times up front, so I feel comfortable, you know, reminding us of it. But where she, she showed up as a young parent, like, okay, so do I have to serve in kids' ministry? Because she wanted to be dutiful, but she was so tired. And she hated doing kids' ministry. <laughs> like, and, you, and you said... And I said, please don't be in kids' ministry if you hate it. <laughs> There's actually a reason I'm not in kids' ministry. I can write <laughs> lessons. I'm actually not a kid person. My poor, poor children. Um, <laughs> I, I see you, Dia. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, just to say, like, what if, Lisa, what if all you who are tired who are weary, who are burdened? What if you get to come to Jesus and just have rest? What if Jesus wants to say to you, yeah, this might be the season where you just get to be. You just get to learn what it is to be loved. You get to learn that that's actually, it matters, that you, who you are, this part of you, the differentiated part, the part of you that has needs and desires and a personality and a calling all of your own, that's actually really good and really sweet, and it matters. And you're actually not going to be able to be in a healthy relationship with the community unless you know that too. That's why Bill and I joke sometimes, because we will invite you to things. If you show up here, you will be invited. And by the time you show up two or three times, we consider you, you know, you're, you're a leader in the church. Man, you're a regular. Um, so we'll invite you to things. And we actually love it when you tell us no. We do, because what we know, because we've experienced it too, 
in church situations is that sometimes churches have not honored that. And so we would love to give you an experience of honoring your no. Saying good for you, good for you for thinking about what was good for your soul. We don't actually know that. We know some things, we can offer some ideas, but you know what's good for your soul. You, in conversation with Jesus, in conversation with the Spirit. And we actually want you to know that, that, that that's valued. This orbit, the wide one, man, it can, be, it can be healthy in its own way just as much as the closer orbits. Uh, and so to, to unpack this in real life, we have invited our friend Andrew Lee to uh, come on down and uh, talk a little bit about his orbits. <laughs> yeah, that one. Here, Andrew. Thank you. Um, so we usually start off, Andrew, saying, like, how long have you been around City Church? Why did you show up here? Or something like that. Just a little, like... Um, I came to the first um, like reopening service oh, after the... um, in July 2021 because wow. a friend invited me and then I think the week after Bill had my phone number somehow and then, <laughs> and then we had a zoom on my patio. <laughs> it's magical how he does that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, be, be careful. I like to be in touch with people. Uh, and uh, so tell us a little bit about the, your church orbits growing like you were kind of a churchy guy what was that like were you irregular regular and how was that for you um i grew up very much in church um i grew up in the chinese immigrant evangelical church networks there are huge networks of those in southern california um my parents were both very very involved in church um you know in many ways church was their um, like home base coming to a new country. Um, mm -hmm. My mom came to the States when she was 17 um, in the 70s. And I grew up in, like grew up very much in the orbit, <laughs> very much. You're very, right. right in the hairball. <laughs> right there in the hairball. Yes, yes, yes. And was there a time when you started to realize, huh, like, wow, my orbit's close. Uh, maybe, like how many days a week would you be at church growing up? uh at least two right on a sunday and then on a friday for like youth group mm -hmm. and then um later in life my dad started to serve and he you know became a pastor and so our home mm -hmm. constantly was <laughs> prayer meetings and dinners mm -hmm. and um that was great um it was it was very nice yeah yeah, yeah. there's a lot of good yes absolutely learned a lot about hospitality from my mm -hmm. parents and was there a time when you realized, huh, maybe, maybe it's not a season for this close of an orbit? Um, I would say, you know, definitely during the pandemic. Um, so I think like the time that I met you was very, um, was like a big transition period mm -hmm. for me. Um, I think like many of us, we were thinking about purpose and how we want to spend our time and I was many, maybe like many of you, also deconstructing lots about you know my faith and how I grew up, and so so by deconstructing you mean how, how would you define that? Um, well, I actually a big part of it was I started working at a um, faith-based organization, which I never expected, wow. <laughs> never yeah. expected to, 
and it was actually an interfaith organization. And I was interacting with lots of different congregations, lots of different um, denominations of Christian, which I had never been exposed to. I grew up, you know, unmarked, non-denominational. <laughs> mm -hmm. And was so, um, I think my mind was just exploded about all the ways that people thought about how they did church. Um, and in my organization, right, it was people who were very involved in community work, very involved in organizing, very involved mm -hmm. in oh no, in politics, <laughs> and how their faith was very connected to yeah. all of that work. And so that made you question some things about your upbringing and Absolutely. wonder like, huh, maybe there's some different ways. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And how did that impact like church attendance? Like did it right away or was there, was there an impact? Like did, did you feel like, oh, maybe I should not be as, like how, what was that like for you? Yeah, I think during that time I started, um, I started to not attend church as regularly. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, one, I was like, I can't do Zoom church. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, during that time, I think my orbit changed a little bit in that um, there are a few folks that I knew who were all kind of on a similar, um, like deconstructing journey about growing up in church. And we all decided to just meet separately. It was like mm. six of us who all came from <sighs> similar right. church backgrounds and we were like hey we're not sure if this church or that church or this yeah. way of quote unquote being christian like we've known was the way we wanted to do it and uh -huh. um, hey let's just meet up on our own and um that happened for most of the pandemic and um we didn't even really talk about church things. <laughs> like we didn't even read the Bible all the time. Yeah. Right? It sounds just like <laughs> it was like community. It was Yeah, and yeah. we brought in secular things, oh no, and just like what we're <laughs> reading and what we're listening to. And hey, all of that actually, you know, can um influence our spiritual life and have mm -hmm. really meaningful things to say to us at that point in our lives. Mm -hmm. And then I think another thing about my orbit that changed while I was like on the way this way yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, was someone from that group um, hooked me up with a spiritual director mm. um, which I had never heard about before that was yeah. not part of my experience growing up but I learned is definitely part of many other Christian traditions and um, my spiritual director who I'm still seeing once a month she's a um, a black queer pastor who le leads a United Church of Christ Church in the Bay Area. Sweet. I've never met her in person, but she really helped me um, like sit with myself yeah. and get in tune with my own, mm. like you've been saying, Brenna, like get in tune with your own desires. About, kind of building into that me. Yes, yeah. building into the me about what I'm looking for in my community, how I want to give also to a spiritual community. And I think through all of that, I have come here. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that sounds amazing. It's so healthy, right? I mean, and that was probably in a season where you weren't really going to church much. No. Right? And yet it was probably one of the healthiest times in your spiritual life. I got to ask, were any people worried about you like when you were in that season, like parents or people from old church? I'm just curious. Maybe not. But did, were there any people worried that you'd fallen away or? Excellent. <laughs> Um, you know, I think people might assume that my parents would have been, you know, asking questions. <laughs> but when I was sitting down, I was actually thinking that, um, you know, even though they have their life in the States has been all about church, really, that they also have been 
you know, mm. in a different part of their orbit too recently. Wow. And um, yeah, so they're not, you know, connected to a quote unquote home church anymore, wow. but they still, you know, convene different groups. Like my dad meets so, with his friends at McDonald's every Tuesday and gets a amazing. senior coffee. Yeah. My mom, you know, is part of multiple small groups on yeah. Zoom uh -huh. from different churches. Yeah. And so I think they also are, right. you know, thinking about how they want to participate it's, too. It's like this is a normal part of the spiritual yeah. life. So yeah. they're not freaking out. Yeah. It's so great. <laughs> Um, so tell us about your involvement in City Church. Like, so you, you came a couple of years ago, and what's it been like for two years to, to be around? And I'm not, I'm not looking for like kudos or anything like that. I'm, it's like a serious question. Like, like are you, do you come regularly? Do you not? Sorry, I should probably know that answer. I don't. Um, you know, do you like give all your money to the church? Like, I, I'm not looking for a number. <laughs> I'm just, but like, are you? Like whatever question you're comfortable answering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like, what, what has been your involvement, like, for for a couple of years? Just to be normal, like, tell yeah. me what's it, what's it like for you? Um, well, I, I've said to some people, and I, you know, said to Bill on the phone last week, like, I, in sitting with the me, right, um, talking to my spiritual director, meeting people here, I have definitely wanted to become more regular, and. Mm -hmm. um, that might not be today's message necessarily. But it's, not, it's not, but that's fine. You could have said the opposite and it would yeah. have been just as good. Yeah. Um, but I do want to, I do want to be present. And mm -hmm. I do, you know, I have been trying to show up weekly, been joining groups like the one we have on Zoom with the yep, podcast Andrew's on Tuesday, podcast group, mm -hmm. which has been lovely. And, um, you know, I do want to, I do want to be present. You know, I do want to be here. I think lots of in the discernment of like over the past few years of you know how i want to participate in and have a spiritual community i've gotten lots of really great signals and i think from the church and i'm like yeah this is this is this is where i want to be um we typically can i say oh, real yeah, quick yeah, i just want to i just want to reflect back that the word that i heard you say was want hmm. right that i love that you kind of stayed out there wrestling with the kind of like, okay, who are they and who am I? And let's just, and your coming closer is from a place of desire, not yes. duty, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I love that because one thing I've been talking with my spiritual director about is like, oh, desire, like your desires, like God is in them, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think in my upbringing, I think my own desires have always been cast as like sinful or you can't trust your own desires mm -hmm. um, you have to deny them mm -hmm. um, but actually God can speak through can speak through me and that's mm -hmm. like wow God right. is in me right God <laughs> is in thought? you <laughs> and in your desires oh, yes that's beautiful yes yeah that, that so I just wanted to reflect that back. that is beautiful that was yes um typically when someone comes up and we harass them with questions we then give them the chance to ask us a question if you would like if not that's fine um, I love to know if there has been something maybe from this sermon mm -hmm. or from previous that has surprised you or like I wouldn't have huh. thought about this like mm -hmm. this before. Mm -hmm. Extrovert gets to answer first. I see him taking a breath. He's trying to take an introverted moment. Introvert needs a longer moment. But that's a really good question. Yeah, I think. Um... I have been surprised over the years of 
how, and I was just actually telling a couple of new people this morning, we were having this conversation. I've just realized it's sort of selfish, but it's like this way of living is better for me. Like not to feel like I have to control everybody and tell everyone to come to come to this church and come to this group and do this and do that. You know, it's actually, I like myself more than I used to. I used to be way more controlling and tell people and harass people. You got to come to church. You got to come to church, you know, because I needed more people. So I think, you know, just even, so Brenna came up with this sermon series idea and it's just even thinking about it this week, it's sort of crystallized like, oh, this is just so much better. It's a better way to live for me as a, as a pastor. So personally, I get to sleep better at night. Yeah, I, sorry, I don't have anything more interesting to say than that. I think like, yeah, that there is this sort of like, I think as Bill and I were walking and talking this morning, which we often do before we kind of get into the busyness of prepping for Sunday, just to connect and, you know, kind of enter into Sunday on a good place uh, together. Um, it's just sweet to not have to try to control things. We were talking about a completely different situation, but it was one of just kind of theoretically thinking about, you know, some challenges that can come up in congregations and what would we do if this, but like, well, I think we would listen to people, right? Like where there's a sense of like, we don't have to tell people what to do. And there is something really, really sweet. Like as you were talking about spiritual directors, right? Um, I love getting to act, like it's kind of weird that pastors aren't the spiritual directors more often, hmm. right? Because spiritual directors just walk alongside you in a journey and they, I mean, it's a little bit more like a counseling type role, yeah. right? And reflecting back and drawing the answers out of you. And I'm going like, why have pastors been put in this space of, we're supposed to be the answer people so much, like that we're supposed to build a big giant hairball hmm. versus just saying like, let's do it together friends and let's keep it as light and easy as we can. and love each other as well as we can and walk with each other. So yeah, this is really fun for me. Get yeah. to do. Um, thank you, Andrew. Thank what a you. Gift you've given us. <laughs> uh, and I'd like to invite our friend Lewis Thaxton, who's going to